Welcome to the Unplugged Podcast, where we believe that if you can breathe, you can meditate. All of the answers lie within you, and that you are one meditation away from feeling 10 times better. Today, you'll hear from the best meditation instructors in the world, whose only intention is to help you experience the life-changing benefits of meditation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's meditation. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Unplugged Meditation Podcast. I'm so excited to be sharing Norma Kamali's new book, I Am Invincible, and talking to Norma Kamali about everything that is inside of this gem. First of all, I have been shopping at Norma Kamali since I was 12 years old, and I wanted to be cool. And I have to say my first experience was I went into New York City, I went shopping at Norma Kamali and I bumped into Muriel Hemingway who was shopping there. And I looked at her and I said, you're Muriel Hemingway. And she looked back at me and she said, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> True story. I still remember it. So obviously it's a good one. It's a good, and it's a great answer. <laughs> I know, exactly. But I just want to say, this book has inspired me so much. Um, mostly, I'm not going to speak at all. And I want to ask you just a few questions to launch it and then just have you share. So okay. welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. First of all, you know, when I think of you, I think about a legendary fashion designer who's completely changed the world. Um, you are modern. Every single decade that you've been basically sharing your collections from those incredible swimsuits that we featured in Vogue in the 90s when I was there um, to just everything beyond that, the shoulder pads with the gray sweatsuits that we all needed to own, Grace Jones, Forest outfit. There's just really legendary moment. And that special sleeping bag coat, which I will be buying right after this <laughs> podcast. So I want to ask you a little bit about what inspired you to write I Am Invincible. Um, how do you look so incredible at the age of 75? 75. What is a acupuncture facelift and how do we get one? What, what is your feeling about olive oil? And what can anyone do today and to, to change their life forever? Now I'm going to mute myself and just let you answer <laughs> all those things. Thank you very much. Um, so the book uh, was inspired by a friend's 50th birthday. And we were all given the challenge of coming up with a gift that was appropriate and addressed turning 50. So I got one of those little leather mold books and I illustrated 50 tips on turning 50. And because I clearly was older than everybody, I had lots of wisdom in my years. So I, I put together very thoughtful tips and everyone loved it. And at the time I was working with um, this incredible acupuncture doctor um, on 
co-writing a book with him about acupuncture. And I asked the uh, publisher if they thought it made any sense because everybody reacted like, do it, we need more of this. So they said, it's gotta be meteor, has to have more in it. So I had my graphics department work with me on the vision I had for this book. And as you know, the book is very graphic and very, very illustrative. And um, so I put together a mock-up version that looks just like that. And, um, and it took, took some time to, to do. And I met with Abrams and they got it right away. So the book is very close to what I showed them, which is great because normally, you know, there's all kinds of, oh, you have to do this and this. And they said, no, we like that, do that. So that's how the book came about. The book, Susie, it's a handbook for women. And I wish that I had a handbook for many of the decades that I've gone through. I'm sure you've thought about it too. Like if there were only a handbook to this, I, it would be easier for me to navigate. So I think the, the way I addressed the, the book was one to create this handbook and, and sort of block out the book by decades. So each decade in a woman's life is very um, significant. And the process and the transition of each decade prepares you for the next decade and what you are going to experience then. And so at 75, I've been through all of those decades and I have no desire to relive them because they were all sort of stepping stones to, to, to get me where I am now. And a big part of the book is about aging with power. As you know, and I know, in fashion and beauty, aging is still that one area where there is no politically correct language. It's okay to say anti-aging as if there's something wrong with aging. It's okay to say anti-wrinkle, anti-everything. And, and there's so much subliminal messaging about aging that's negative that I'm really determined to, to kind of create a conversation about rethinking the positive of aging with power. And so if you want to feel good about yourself at any age, sleep, diet, and exercise are the simple solutions of respecting it. So one of your many questions was, well, how do we, like, what do you, take away from this that you can actually start doing. So in your 20s, you, you deal with a different set of circumstances. Everything is new. For the first time, you're an adult. Every adult experience is new. Many of them are going to be humiliating and embarrassing. And many of them will be like, oh, shit, I really, I got this. This is my thing. This is my jam. And then the next day you can make a complete fool out of yourself or someone can make a fool out of you because you're so vulnerable and inexperienced. But that's what the 20s are about. You should be on a ledge a lot of the time 
trying new things, but staying from falling off the ledge. And that feeling is probably real for a lot of people in their 20s. But during that period of time, there's not a lot of sleep going on. There's a lot of, you know, missing sleep and and neglecting uh, that part of your life. And it's important, especially if you're born in this, not my, my sort of generation, but in the more recent generations, there's so much more pollution and toxicity and stress and pandemics and everything else that you need more support for your immune system than I did when I was in my 20s. So you don't really have an option. You have to start in your 20s thinking about what you're eating, um, sleep and exercise. So we all eat more food than we need to. We don't need to eat a lot, but we need to eat good quality food. So whenever you eat, it should be really good. Don't break your bank account over it. Don't spend a lot, but spend on good things, just like accessories, just like, you know, it's like invest in good things. And since you're putting it in your body and you want your skin to look good and you want your hair to look good, and you want your eyes to sparkle and you want to feel good in your body, that's a, a, a simple good thing to do. And especially since you're probably not sleeping as much, you need to really eat properly. And the other thing is exercise. Starting early with exercise is a game changer. Um, I can only tell you that for sure in, in your 20s, you want to try lots of different exercises. You're not going to be loyal to one. That's totally okay. Try everything. And find out what works for your body, what makes you feel empowered in your body. And you want to feel good with clothes on, without anything on. You always want that. That's what we all want. I'm 75. I want that. I want to feel good absolutely naked. And that doesn't happen by accident. It, it takes work, but it feels so good when you accomplish it. That's why Invincible doesn't happen every day, but when it does happen, we know that we own it. We know we, we got it under control. So for each decade, it, there's a different story about healthy lifestyle, but each of them are attainable. And if you don't have money for a gym or you don't really, you know, you, you can't make it to a gym, if there's a flight of stairs, and you go up and down the stairs, whether it's at work or at home, wherever you are, take the stairs or do this, do, a, do up and down flights of stairs a number of times. It's an incredible cardio. Your heart will pump out of your chest, as you know, if you go up a certain amount of flight of stairs. I work out every day. It's like, I'm on, I, I'm, I have a very steep fifth floor to get up there. And when I go up and down the stairs at work, it's like, geez, I work out every day. This thing's, my heart's pumping. And it's really a good, it's a good workout. But the idea of setting an appointment 
for you every day that you put in your calendar, like you're getting your hair done or whatever you're doing, you put it in your calendar, that time of day is your time to work out. Your body will start to get used to working out at that time. And if you keep those appointments, it's a real sign of self-respect, self-love. And in order to have a good relationship, and it could be a dating relationship, it could be the relationship with you know, your soulmate down the road, in order to attract the right people to you, if you don't love yourself, and I don't mean in a narcissistic way, if you don't love yourself and you don't respect yourself by doing good things for you, you're going to attract the, the worst people. They know when someone is vulnerable. They know when someone has issues with self-esteem. And we have all know, we've met them. They found us. When we are feeling our self-esteem is down, we know that guy or whoever it is is a piece of shit and we shouldn't be with them. So we, we all know what that means. The problem is the way to control it is very easy by treating yourself good first. When you have this down, and it won't be perfect every day, but when you have this down, you will see not only in relationships will you attract better people, but in business too. People pick up power, they pick up respect, they pick up this energy where the, the, the self-love is transmitted out as, as a positive and you wanna do that. So whether it's making a, a decision about dessert, like you can pick a chocolate cake for dessert or you can pick frozen blueberries with ground up walnuts. Um, the chocolate cake will taste good, first bite, second bite. But as you're eating it, you're gonna start maybe feeling bloated, but also feeling, oh shit, I am really gonna hate myself after this. You don't want hate self, remember love self. If you have frozen blueberries, big old organic frozen blueberries and crumpled up walnuts on it, first of all, it's a great combination. It's one of my favorite snacks, but it is a prescription for breast health. It is the best combination of nutrients for healthy breasts. So maybe there's a genetic part of your life that you can't control, but if you can control it through lifestyle and, and control what, what is possible, a lot of these things can be controlled with lifestyle if it isn't genetic, then I say that those blueberries and walnuts will make you feel good. First of all, it's yummy in case you haven't tried frozen blueberries, the best. And the crunchy walnuts with it is such a great combination. But I'm making a point about choices. I'm making a point about all kinds of choices. And if you finish eating something and you feel good about it, that's what you want. If you finish working out and you feel good about it, that's what you want. You want to do those things that create 
good self-esteem, a good feeling about your body, a good feeling about how you think. And all of that leads to an invincible day, to more invincible days, but also is a way to age with power through each of the decades. So the 30s, 30, 30 in, in astrology is a Saturn transit, right? It's a, it's a tough Saturn transit. It's, it's the adult punch in the stomach. Something happens at 30 that can definitely mean there's some tears on the pillow. You have a little sobbing and a little sort of is life passing me by? What's going on? How, why am I feel so out of sorts? We all go through a version of it, all of us. This is a uniform female experience. How you get through 30 really defines a lot of your behavior going forward. So how you get through some of these tougher transitions is really part of forming who you are, your character. That's why I said, I don't wanna go back to 30. Thank you, I did that. I'm happy with 75, I did that. So you get through 30, then you're in your 30s and you're trying to kind of establish who you are in your career. A lot of it, you have to bluff. A lot of it, you just have to kind of fake because what do you know in your 30s? Like what kind of experience do you have? And the better you fake it, the better you learn it. And getting through your 30s is just a series of those I'm going to, I don't I never did that before, but I'm going to do it. I can do it. And you figure out how to do it. And then you say, okay, I can do that. Now, maybe I can do that. And by 40 and your forties, you monetized what you know, you now have reached a plateau. Now you monetize it. Now your brand is there. You have made a brand of who you are. You monetize it, you establish your power in that. And it can, it doesn't necessarily have to be a job or business. It can be in, in lots of different ways. But I'm when I say monetize, I'm saying you are establishing your value and getting rewarded for it in some way. Now, the second half of your 40s, you're going into menopause. What does that mean? Well, it means number one, you stop drinking caffeine. Number two, you stop drinking alcohol. Why? Because they play with your hormones and your hormones already are playing. They're going up and down and starting to make you a little uncomfortable in your own skin. So why allow anything like that to increase what's happening that you don't quite understand. So of course you go to your doctors, you get checkups, you find out what can be done that fits how you feel about the choices and the alternatives. And this is when you must confirm in your mind that you are gonna exercise every day of your life for the rest of your life. That's it, that's it. There's no other choice. This is what you have to do. I'm not saying what kind of exercise you could walk, you can do whatever, 
you have to do something. This is when the food choices are critical. There are foods that are better for you that actually help you through menopause. And there are foods that are absolutely not allowed. They will not help you. Spicy foods, caffeinated foods, foods that are anti what you need. And what you need is meditation. You need meditation the day you're born, quite frankly, but you need meditation. You need to have it regularly, two to three times a day sometimes. And it has to be a part of your life. I recommend things like acupuncture and massages, time massages, anything to create calm and to balance. Balancing is everything. Once you get through menopause and through this period, now a lot of things happen in this period. So in, when you turn 30 and you're in your 30s, you might very well be considered aged out of the dating market. It's, it's, it's a reality. There, if you go onto a dating app, the same dating app you were on at 29, and at 31 you go on, you could have zero responses, but at 29 you could have had 10. So there's a, obviously you deal with that in your 30s, and that becomes how you manage 30s and how you decide how you're going to have relationships. But in your 40s, it is not uncommon to be aged out. And sometimes it's aged out of marriages. Sometimes it's aged out of jobs because now you may be too expensive for that job. You may have just taken yourself right out of that position. However, 50 is magic. It's a magical, magical birthday. 50 represents a sort of freedom of all of the milestones that you had to go through that the prescription, like you go to school, you graduate college, you get married, you have a kid, you have another kid, you raise the kids, they're gone. Okay, there's no more milestones. Now what do you do? Well, very much the age out situation or something else will force you to look for something else. It'll force you like what you did before is not going to work again. It just does not work again. What are you going to do? You're going to reinvent yourself. You're going to be selfish because you're getting into a phase where you just don't give a shit about the small stuff anymore. It does not mean anything to you. Your hormones are not dedicating themselves to helping you define life. You don't have any of that distraction and you don't care. There are things that used to mean a lot. No, you don't care. Think about what is your dream? What have you always thought about? What is a new idea that all of a sudden is extremely exciting for you and you make it happen? You can make it happen at 50. And 50 to me was 25 years ago. So do you understand my perspective about 50? 
I mean, that was 25 years ago. I reinvented for the hundredth time myself, but that was a big reinvention. And I'll give you my example of reinvention. I took, I had a beautiful apartment. I restored um, the majority of a townhouse that was part of the Woolworth estate. It was spectacular. I loved it so much. I collected antiques and I, and they were a quirky, eclectic antique collection. And I made furniture too. I made big oversized chairs out of embroideries and they were gorgeous. And, and my house was so beautiful, filled with crystal and silver trays and beautiful things. And I looked around me one day when I was sketching my collection and I just stopped for a minute and I thought to myself, I have to get rid of this because I am gonna be stuck with my creativity because everything around me is so dominating and so beautiful that I can't go past it to come to a new place. So I literally sold everything. I had an auction at Christie's. I had samples of my collection from the time I went on my own, 20,000 original samples. I got rid of every single thing I owned. And I swore, and I gave a lot, away a lot too, and I swore that if I wasn't using something, I was going to give it away, that I didn't need to have it. So I have a very minimal existence. I sleep on a bed. I work on this table. It's my desk. I eat on another table. I have seats that people sit on, but I don't have anything that is not being used. So my soulmate didn't quite understand that when I first met him, but I think he's sort of liking it now. In any case, I am still living in that transformation that allowed me to think about what I wanted to design and what I wanted to do going forward because I didn't have anything distracting me and keeping me back into the past, which I didn't want to do. So that was a really big decision. I mean, huge. And it set the path for who I am now and what I'm doing now. So I'm giving that example as how big 50 can be and how important it is. And then Post 50 just literally is another level of this sort of freedom and the choice to live your purpose. And so the most important message I think in the book is we all have to know our purpose in this lifetime. Why are you here? Why, what are we doing here? What is my purpose in this lifetime? When you, when you know your purpose 
And when you discover your purpose, and it should be something you really try to figure out, all the decisions you make in your life will be directed. Otherwise, we sort of meander around. But if you have a purpose, the decisions you make are focused. And my purpose has been to service women, obviously. And this book is clearly a part of that purpose. So that's the answer to your question. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that is unbelievable. And, you know, there's a lot of things in this book, and I especially am enjoying the part where it's like the 50s, 60s, and the 70s, where we talk about ageism and the vocabulary people are using, as you mentioned, and what we can do to move beyond that. And something you introduced me to in this book, which I never thought about, is there's this picture of you going around on the internet too. Your foot is above your head, you're holding your, your foot above your head. And you say, I'm gonna live to be 120. And that's something that nobody ever thinks about. It's the idea of visualizing yourself there means that while we're living here, 50, 60, 70s, 80s, 90s, 110, you need to play for the long game. Yeah. And maybe your purpose started as you designing, having fun, and like, and then discovering olive oil. I love that name, by the way. Um, but now it's really about just redefining what age means. Yeah how limited people have made it, how limitless it actually is. So yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely. Your secret sauce, like, what is it that you, what is it that you eat? What is it that, like, you talk about an uh, acupuncture and that you drove an hour to fill a cell to have this fit, like, what do you do? And what can, what can we do? So I, I just want to touch on the 120. So I um, I heard I, I, and read a few books about uh, the idea that our cells turn over until 120, meaning that there's re life is being created over and over again until 120. So I thought to myself, so why shouldn't I aspire to live to 120 if your cells can turn over um, until then, that they, they still have the ability to do that? And, and I, I thought, I probably won't live to 120, but the long game is the key. If I think about if I plant in your, my head 120, what I do today is thinking about, well, in order to get there, I better, I better think about what decision I'm making right now in, in lots of different ways. If I wanna get there, there are, there are life decisions, behavioral decisions that really will get me closer to it then again, if I just meander and kind of let take each day. As far as um, acupuncture facelifts, which, so I, I, 
obviously I have manufactured in China and I was having a, a problem with a factory there that was not um, ethical in the way they were doing things. And I had to make a trip to, to make a decision about whether I would continue or not. And so I was in a lot of meetings, a lot of stress, and I have girlfriends there that I've known through the years, and I finally was able to have lunch with them. Oh, thank God. And I'm looking at all of them. And, you know, Asian skin is beautiful. Yeah, okay, we know. However, they looked gorgeous in a different way. And I, and I said, all right, you guys have just done something different. I know something different's going on. Your skin, everything looks so great. And they were laughing. They said, yeah, we've been having acupuncture facelifts. And I was like, excuse me, um, where do you get? Like, I need to go now. And I was like, so stressed, I need it now. And they said, well, it takes time to get an appointment. I was leaving. So when I came back, I did all kinds of research to see who the best person would be for and for acupuncture. And I reached out in different ways through the wellness community, the Chinese community, a lot of different sources, people I knew. And this name kept coming up. And so Dr. Yang is this incredible man who whose family for centuries have been in medicine, in Chinese medicine. So he's had extensive training, was brought up as a kid in this belief system. And then he came here and he studied here and studied Western medicine, neurology, and just extremely skilled in both areas. And so I made an appointment to go to his office two hours away and I walk in, I was like, he said, why are you here? I said, I'm here for an acupuncture facelift. And he said, well, you're not getting one. And I was like, excuse me, what? And he, I said, I just drove two hours. He said, well, that's not what acupuncture is about. And I said, all right, so what is acupuncture about? So he started to talk to me about it and he said, this is, this is a, a, an extremely um, wonderful way of medicine being part of your lifestyle. And he went, carried on about it. And, and I was just taken by him. And I said, so if I come every week, will you teach me about acupuncture? And I figured, and maybe I could squeeze in. <laughs> somewhere along the way and I can have acupuncture and he said okay and I said would you mind if I recorded our sessions and he said no that's fine and I thought this guy's got to be the real deal if he's letting me record and so I, start, I started going and by the third visit he said okay um going to give you um, acupuncture facelift with the, the whole prescription that he does. And he's great because he, he, he asks you about what's going on in your life and spends time with you. And then he prescribes the kind of layout that he does with the needles. And then he added to that an extensive kind of um, sort of face thing. And 
nobody knew what I was doing in the office. I was just doing this on my own every day, leaving it too to go to Philadelphia. And so the next morning, um, we have an open plan uh, office and the person that sits opposite me looked at me and she said, you know, you look really good today. And I thought, oh, you know, when you get dressed in the morning, you're not, you're not really paying attention to that. And I, for, I didn't think to look to, to see. And I ran into the bathroom and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, yeah, you look really good today. And I was like, this is really incredible. And so what I learned about acupuncture facelifts is that the, the more regularly you do it, the more it sort of builds on itself. And the real benefit is that it's a total body experience. The face adds to it, but um, the, it just sort of realigns everything and gets you back into an energy that's not sort of going like this. It just, it's like in, in many ways, like meditation that pulls everything in, in alignment. So I'm a huge fan and, um, and he, he's in Philadelphia now, but I'm thinking of reopening my building and creating sort of the answer to the book of things you can get things that I've been recommending, um, chances to have appointments, maybe. I'm gonna see if I can convince him to come every Friday to New York. So this way Fine, we yeah. can have regular visits from Dr. Yang. He is a, an, an extremely um, enlightened person and a very special man. So we ended up co-writing a book together based on the tapes from my visits where he teaches about acupuncture and the book is called Facing East if anybody has any interest in learning about acupuncture. I'll put that in the show notes too. Okay, I have two more important questions. And one is, are you make an appointment to work out at 4.30 p.m. every day? Is that right? Is that your time? Yes, yeah. That in the book. Um, what do you do? Because I know you used to go to Radu, who was down the street from you. And then I started Googling Radu and I couldn't find him anymore. So I don't know what, still a lot. I don't know what's going on. I, I, no. So I've been, you know, I have been, I'm, I need to exercise. I have like this energy that is just well-placed when it's controlled in, in some sort of form. And I, I love working out. And so I've done, I, I, I used to, while I was doing Radu, actually even before Radu, I was doing Pilates at this studio on 57th Street. Mm -hmm. And this woman, Romana, um, had a gym, Drago's gym that she shared with some Russian gymnasts. Mm -hmm. And she was, Joe Pilates' protege. He left the brand to her and she was meant to teach everybody the proper Joe Pilates way to do Pilates. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea when I signed up there to, to learn Pilates that that was what it was. And I 
am so happy that I had that training from her, from those people that were there at the time. It, it, it was really an extraordinary base to everything, as you know, Pilates is. And I even, I, I'm sure most of you know what the magic circle is, but I illustrated for her because she didn't have it, all of the different uh, poses and movements with the magic circle. And so I really, you know, I have the book, a copy of that book that I did for her. And uh, I just am so grateful to know the proper way to do Pilates and I love it. And I don't always do it the proper way, um, but I know I can if, if I want to do that. Then Radu, who it was also, Radu taught um, Olympic uh, hopefuls. He trained Olympic hopefuls. He was Romanian mm -hmm. and he was wild and crazy. And I would go to Radu at six o'clock in the morning every day. And I would work out with one other woman and 15 men every morning. And we would do circuit training. You'd have to get on a treadmill at 15 and just run and then do all kinds of push-ups, da, da, da. And my body was like, I felt like I couldn't fit through doorways. My, I was so, overbuilt and and I don't know but I loved I liked the competition and I liked being able to compete with men and running up and down nine flights of stairs and doing all of Red Dew's crazy stuff and then um and then I found Physique 57 in the same building and Physique 57 um I was probably I started probably the same year they opened wow. and I, I find their workout um, so well thought out and so structured that you see the change in your body. I mean, you see it in like the third session by the eighth session, you're, you have a different body. You really, you can design your own body. That's how good the technique is. But I love, you know, I, I'm, I'm late to yoga, actually, but I love it. Um, I'm flexible, so I cheat a little bit. And I'm not, you know, so I have to get that, be a little bit more disciplined not to cheat my um, moves. But I love everything about it. I love, uh, you know, I, I like doing a lot of the downloads on Aloe Yoga. I love the class. I love you know, all of, I, I, I really, the experience of being in a room with other people sharing that experience is just so great. I miss it so much. Um, but I've been making up a lot of workout routines myself that I like. like too. Some, some are in there, but I'm gonna, I'm actually going to add uh, more to my um, <clears throat> my website and um, and probably do gyrokinesis, which is another workout that is unbelievable, um, and have it at the building. So we'll have different days 
that will have different things to demonstrate and live stream and do things like that. So exercise obviously is not only good for your body, but it also informs you on what you're capable of doing, mm -hmm. how far you, if you think, oh my God, I could never do a split. Well, there you're doing a split. So, wow, I, I have the power to think I wanna do something and then actually take the time to get there to do it. And so when we inform ourselves of that, we can apply that to anything in our lives. How much time do you do it per session? Well, I could normally do an hour. However, um, I, I do more and I used to do more too before COVID, but post COVID, I have to admit that I've, I'm doing two hours because I never sit this much in my entire life. My work, I'm crawling under cutting tables, I'm pinning, fitting, I'm running up and down. I never sit as much as I have Zoom butt right now. I am definitely not happy with Zoom butt. So I'm doing two hours and I really push myself and I focus on undoing some of that. And, um, and I actually feel so much better that I've added that extra hour. I do something in the morning that is sort of like an active meditation. Um, I do this thing, it's, it's oh, some of it, most of it is sort of inspired by gyrokinesis, but it's a cat cow, but um, it's an extreme cat cow. So what you do is, when you're, when you're doing cat, you extend it to a downward dog, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go into stretching, arching and stretching up in reverse and then going up to a downward dog. And, and doing that rhythmically while you're doing breath and sort of really getting in that head um, I'm, I'm doing a hundred now in the morning. I work myself up from 10 to 20 to, you know, slowly work up. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you're opening your spine up. It's like, you're stretching everything out from your sleep. You're opening up, you're getting this, you know, energy and oxygen through your system and just by opening your spine like that, it really sets you up for the day. Plus you've had this breath work that you're doing at the same time. And it's an exaggerated breath work to really help the rhythm. And what happens is with gyrokinesis, rhythm and breath is very active. And so I start slow and then it becomes this movement like this and it's a really great sort of opening up and freeing movement that is a great way to start the day in and it's also a kind of meditation what is your meditation practice like i know you have a lot of affirmations in this book and you have a definite positive perspective actually a word you're pronoid, the opposite of paranoid, ridiculous idea of everything in your favor. 
Um, what is your practice like? Well, you know, just to address being optimistic, um, I, I didn't think I, I was especially an optimist, but for the last 10 years living with my soulmate, he, he's been saying to me, you know, I've, I've never met anybody that wakes up an optimist every day. And I didn't think about, I didn't think, I, I, I didn't think what I was doing was different, but I, I guess I think about every day as a new, another chance. There's another chance to fix something that went wrong or another chance to try something that didn't, that didn't happen or another chance to come up with a new idea to do something new. And so I usually clean the slate for the day before for the next day. And I just do that and I don't think it's any big deal, but that's the way I see things. I used, so in 1970, I got a mantra in 1970 and we all meditated and we all had a mantra and, and it was actually, um, it was so much a part of the time that we could be sitting in the park and all meditate together or take breaks to meditate. It, it wasn't a big deal. It was just, that's what we did. Right. I, I continued with that mantra through the years and I found myself, um, at times doing it regularly and other times use, using it as a get me back to square one, you know, like, wait a minute, I think I need to just meditate. Mm -hmm. um, but the more I meditate, the better I feel, um, especially now, especially during a time like this. I don't think you have a choice. It's almost you, you have to find a way to, to do this. And before um, COVID, I would close my building every day at 1230. And the company could come together, whoever wanted to, to the fifth floor, and we would have a meditation. And I had different people come in to lead the meditation. Sometimes I did. And even for people who had never done it before, if they wanted to lie on a mat and just lie there, that was okay too. There'd be a little snoring sometimes, whatever. But, but what was happening is the room itself was a setup for calming down and bringing the breath into a, a, a good, deeper, more purposeful um, movement for 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 healing and for regrouping. So that the regularity of that really was um, something everybody appreciated so much. And they would send me notes out of everything we do here. This is our favorite. We love that we have this. And they really began to appreciate something that they maybe never did before. For me, through the years, if I would have a stressful situation, 
I knew that that situation would stay with me and sort of own me for the rest of the day if I didn't deal with it. And so my secret was I would go to the bathroom, close the door, turn out the lights, put the toilet seat down, put my two feet flat on the ground, parallel my legs, put my hands on my thighs, sigh a couple of times and just let my heartbeat go back to instead of racing and I let my breath kind of come back think about what that was sounding like and doing. And then I would start to meditate. I would give myself the chance to come down from what I was feeling and I would meditate. And, and sometimes it would be 20 minutes if I felt I needed to take the time. I, I wouldn't let my next appointment or whatever it would be impact how quickly I left the room. The only problem is when I said this publicly for the first time and somebody printed it, then people were knocking on the door saying, are you meditating? And I was like, I'm going to have to take control of this situation. So nobody dares go near the door if I'm in the bathroom anymore. They know, don't go there. So I think that's a little trick that works for me. And I really, even if you don't meditate, if you just go in there to calm, calm down and, and let your breath relax and your heart rate to go down and to just think about calming yourself instead of uh, what is making you angry. And it will also help you have a better night's sleep because you're not going to take, it diffuses, it sort of takes this thing, this energy and diffuses it and doesn't give it the power over you that it had before you went in. So when your head hits the pillow, it's not present and you're not um, ruled by this negative stuff. And if you still feel it, before you're going to bed, then you need to meditate again. And, and if whatever it takes, um, diffusing, meditation sort of diffuses that stuff. And, and, it, and even if you don't do it right, who cares? Just, just do something first and then get some tapes, get download some meditation, figure out you can give them, you know, some leadership on this. But start with doing nothing. If you, if you haven't done it before, start with something. And then when you see how much better you feel, then learn how to meditate because it's a, it, it's a tool that you own. We always say here, if you can breathe, you can meditate. And we have a meditation app called Unplug where literally any issue you ever have, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, you know, can't sleep, you can just click a button and in 10 minutes, you just feel it melt away. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend yours because um, I'm gonna send it to you so you can experience it. Yeah, send it to me because I'm, I'm talking about this a lot, and I think if I can recommend something specific, um, I haven't used tapes in a while, um, and I'm looking forward to listening to it. But I think if I can recommend something that people can listen to. It's, it's so helpful. Of course, 
I love doing meditation in a group. I think a group of meditation is just such a good feeling. It's just so great to do it, to bring friends, to spend time, the person you're with, to do it with, with, uh, I love doing it every day with my team, with my company. It, It was just one of the the best things to bring us all together it was very special. And I can't wait till this is all over. Well, I have to say, um, before we end, I am the I am invincible. You guys have to get this book. It is so good by Norma Kamali. I want to ask you a question. And I know we have 50 more years left before we even get close to your call. Um, but if you were to say there, you know leaving a legacy, what would it be? What would it be? Um, How are we going to remember Norma Kamathe? I don't know. I mean, I think, you, you know, Susie, there are people um, that know Norma Kamali because of swimsuits and don't have any idea that I do anything else no. or have made any. There are people that just know me through Farrah Fawcett swimsuit or through a sleeping bag coat or through a sweats outfit they bought in 1980. Or there are people who are buying my clothes now that do not have a clue that I existed before now, who are buying, you know, there are girls, young girls buying on Revolve that they know me by what they're putting on right now. Mm-hmm. So a legacy is sort of an assumption that everybody knows everything and being around 53 years, it's, it's really interesting because people just know uh, sections or the, this much and that's the vision of what I've done. And that's great, I, I'm happy for that. But I don't think a legacy is sort of more and, um, and it's sort of presumptuous. I'm not sure that I could even think about what that would be. I'm just so happy that somebody is happy in their sleeping bag coat and that it's giving them a big hug every winter and it's keeping them warm. And that's really a big enough legacy in itself that each piece that people own or the book, if, if somebody takes away three little things from the book, wow. I mean, how could I, how could I not think that's a great thing? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy if there's any connection I can make with anybody. I love the fact in the book when you said that in the 60s, you had a huge deal with Walmart. And people don't even think about, you know, there's just so much life lived. And every day is an adventure. So many amazing things inside this book. And I'm so excited to talk with you. Oh, what a pleasure, Susie. We have next week. We're doing a live event on Unplug Live. So I'm so excited to share that with everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Unplug podcast with meditations from the Unplug app. We hope you have a calm, present, and happy day.